Hello and welcome to another edition of Puck Talk. I'm your host, Spider Jack, a.k.a. Jack Woods. My partner today is Ben Hatchett, but he is not in the studio. He is off elsewhere. I believe he's in Pennsylvania recruiting for DePaul. So I am in the studio alone. Last week I was joined by Coach Columbus, a.k.a. Matt Puste, assistant baseball coach here at DePaul. But he is unavailable today as well, so it's just me. But I have a very special guest today in John Jensen, who is the Penalty Box Media correspondent for the Milwaukee Admirals, the AHL affiliate of the Nashville Predators. John, how you doing today? I'm doing great, Jack. How about yourself? I'm living the dream, John. Now, before we get into the Milwaukee Admirals and the Nashville Predators and everything that's been going on, just a couple of things to run through. The NHL season started on Wednesday as the 2019-20 season commences. We have a lot of... Um, much of the same in terms of the teams, but I'm just going to give you a quick run-through of the scores. The Toronto Maple Leafs beat the Ottawa Senators 5-3. to The Capitals beat the Blues in overtime. The Oilers and the Canucks. Uh, the Oilers beat the Canucks 3-2, and the Golden Knights beat the Sharks 4-1 to on opening night. Notable goals there were Connor McDavid, who's been injured most of the offseason, scored his first, and Leon Dreisaitl nailed two. And then Austin Matthews, who was a little bit controversial uh, in the week prior to the season, scores his first two. And then on Thursday, yesterday, the Tampa Bay Lightning beat the Panthers 5-2. to The New York Rangers beat the Jets 6-4. to The Buffalo Sabres beat the Pittsburgh Penguins 3-1. to The Carolina Hurricanes beat the Montreal Canadiens 4-3. to The Nashville Predators beat the Minnesota Wild 5-2. to And the Boston Bruins beat the Dallas Stars 2-1. to And then just two more. The Colorado Avalanche beat the Calgary Flames 5-3. to And the Anaheim Ducks beat the Arizona Coyotes. Notable goal scorers in the Rangers game was Artemi Panarin, who scored his first with the um, New York team. And then Matt Duchesne nails three secondary assists for the Nashville Predators, leading the Nashville Predators to their first victory of the year. Now, John, what were your thoughts on the game last night? I think that the Predators looked better offensively than they have for a while, especially during that that first series uh, where they made the first round exit last season. Uh, you said it, Duchesne looked great. He was moving the puck around, getting it to players who could get it into the net. Um, I, I think that both the, the top two lines looked great. Uh, I was actually just before I came on the show reading a, a post on Penalty Box Radio by one of our colleagues, George Matarangas, and uh, he had he had said that really the glaring weak spot was that no one was there to put in the puck for Kyle Turris throughout the game. Uh, yep. I couldn't agree with him more. Yeah, Kyle Turris had four slot feeds, and nobody was home. Nobody was there on the doorstep, but the difference between the second line and the third line was playmakers like Mikel Glenland parked himself in front of the net and banged home what should have been two goals, but one of them was called for a high stick <laughs> <laughs> off of Nick Benino's face. And then, uh, once again, Glenland in the to start the third period, Yossi one times a puck from the blue line. Glenland taps the puck past the goaltender for the Wild, Devin Dubnik. But... Yeah, what I saw last night 
was Matt Duchesne was noticeable, very noticeable. As I w- just said, Glenlin was living in front of the net, and he gets rewarded for it. But the uh, everybody had a great game, with the exception of that third line. Uh, and I say this in all sincerity, but I believe that Rocco Grimaldi was either nervous or does not belong on the third line because he was fumbling the puck a lot. What, what did you see with Rocco Grimaldi last night? Look, it's tough to to analyze what Rocco Grimaldi does when he gets roughed up at the beginning of the game. Uh, former Predator Ryan Hartman just leveled Rocco into the board during the first period, and he really didn't look the same after that. So it's tough to say if he's maybe waffling a little bit. Um, you know, he he wasn't expected to be in the NHL last season, so, so this is all kind of a surprise uh, to everybody. But, yeah, once he took that hit from Hartman last night, uh, he didn't look the same the rest of the game. Yeah, I agree with that, and what I most noticed with him is that he would have the puck on his stick, and then he would just be immediately bodied off of it, which, I mean, he's 5'6", so <laughs> he, he's going to get roughed up out there. But uh, some notable Preds goal scorers was Ryan Ellis, who was a little bit under scrutiny last season because he did not play up to uh, Ryan Ellis of the latter half of the 2017-2018 season. Bangs home the first goal. And then Mikel Glenlin, Austin Watson, Victor Arvidsson, and Philip Forsberg all score four um, unanswered goals in the third period. Um, it was everybody's first, and Duchesne gets three assists. And, yeah, I, what did you think of Matt Duchesne specifically? Uh, I think that he was, from just that one showing, he was worth the price that the Predators had to pay for him. Uh, I, I know that there was a lot of controversy about trading away P.K. Subban purely as a salary dump, but if he performs similarly, obviously he's not going to have three assists every game, but if he performs similarly to how he did last night, it was absolutely worth it for the Predators. Uh, all they were looking for was some secondary scoring besides the Jofa line from last season, and they got that last night. Yes, they did. And to put this into perspective, Philip Forsberg, Victor Arvidsson, Austin Watson, Mikael Glenlin, uh, wow, a lot of guys. Uh, Nick, Nick Benino, Craig Smith, Rocco, uh, no, not Rocco Grimaldi, um, Roman Yossi, Ryan Ellis, Matthias Ekholm. There were multiple guys with uh, multi-shot games with Forsberg and Arvidsson leading uh, six and five, respectively. The power play got a lot of time. I saw that uh, Arvidsson's not just parked in front of the net. He's able to uh, menace around the slot. What did you see from the uh, first two power play units? The the first one, I, I thought that it looked much better than last season, both of the power plays. But the first one was a little weaker. The second one, they were moving the puck around. You can tell that they're more creative. Uh, than they were, at, especially at the end of last season. Uh, and they were getting shots on goal, which was the number one complaint by fans last season was that they would pass it around, pass it around, pass it around, and it would never make its way to the net. And last night they were putting shots on net during the power play. Yes, they were. And one thing I noticed is that even when it seems that Matt Duchesne is stealing the show, Philip Forsberg and Victor Arvidsson are up to their old tricks, and they both got rewarded for it with their first goal of the year. What did you think of Craig Smith on the top line? I think that he'll he'll settle into that role. I, I had tweeted the other day that uh, I think having two constant shooters 
on the wings for Ryan Johansson is going to make that top line really dangerous. And that's what he had last year in Forsberg uh, and Arvinson. But moving Forsberg to where he can be creative alongside of Matt Duchesne's playmaking abilities, I think putting Craig Smith, who's just someone who's going to keep trying to put the puck on net, is going to be big for Ryan Johansson because he doesn't like to shoot the puck very much. So letting two other guys do it is huge. I do want to go back to that Ryan Ellis goal real quick and just say that it was really more of a Forsberg goal that he strategically <laughs> bounced off of Ryan Ellis' uh, skate. So, uh, you know, Forsberg, I, I'm going to make a hot take right now, okay? Okay. Philip Forsberg this season is going to break Victor Arvins' goal record from last season. Okay, you heard it here first. <laughs> so, John Jensen... Milwaukee Admirals guy predicting that former uh, Admirals guy Philip Forsberg is going to break Arvidsson's newly set 34-goal season record for the Nashville Predators. But going off of Ryan Ellis, he was one of three players with uh, two points in the game. He had a goal and an assist. Obviously, that you mentioned, it maybe shouldn't have been his goal, but it was his goal. And his plus-minus rating was... uh, Four positive. He had three shots on goal, four blocks, only two giveaways, saw almost 22 minutes on the ice, and a minute total on the power play. I think that Ryan Ellis had the best game out of everybody. Um, everybody's going to say, everybody's going to look at Duchesne's uh, three apples and go, yeah, well, I mean, he, he did some stuff, but I think that Ellis was the unsung hero of last night. What do you think of Ryan Ellis? Yeah, I agree. I, I, was, I was on the board of people that were scrutinizing Ryan Ellis last season. You know, he dragged the Predators through the entire offseason before last season uh, to get signed again, and he just didn't perform like someone who just signed a contract extension, and it had a lot of Predators fans questioning whether the Predators made the right decision putting all of that money towards Ryan Ellis. Uh, I think that he he's making the right steps. He looked good in the game last night. He's going to have to look good with the lack of PK Subban. If he's going to be on that top pairing uh, with Roman Yossi. And, and let's be honest, everybody looks better when paired up with Ryan with Roman Yossi. So I think Ellis, uh, Ellis is going to do well this season. I think he's going to do really well with Roman Yossi uh, like he has been in the past, but this, this is going to be a good season for him compared to last season. Without a doubt, without a doubt. And another defenseman that, I mean, we all come to expect that Roman Yossi is going to steal the show at some point or the other, and he records his first assist last night with also three shots on goal, one block, two giveaways, and saw about 23 and a half minutes on the ice. One guy that I'm not really surprised played very, very well. It doesn't reflect at all on the stat sheet. But that guy was Dante Fabro. There was uh, one chance early, early in the game where Fiala had a very clear breakaway. Um, and Fabro covers for Ekholm, who had stepped up on in the offensive zone, bodies Fiala off the puck twice, uh, and chips it back out of the zone. There were at least seven or eight times that he chipped the puck, that he bodies somebody off. Maybe doesn't lay a big hit, so to speak, but just bodies people off the puck, chips it out of the zone, and gets it to players who have better, um, who are faster or have better position on the ice. But Dante Fabro was also a, a very noticeable guy, although unnoticed. What did you think of Dante Fabro's performance last night? I agree. I, I think that you're going to see a couple of things here and there that just reflect that he's a young guy. He's only got uh, I think he played 10 games last season, including the postseason. 
and, and so he's gonna he's gonna have a couple of fumbles here and there, but you've got him paired up with a great defenseman in Matias Ekholm. Um, there were a couple of instances last night where you could see Fabro kind of defer to to Ekholm uh, and allow him to kind of carry the puck out of the defensive zone. But he looked good, and really, if you want to blame one person besides Matt Duchesne for the Predators trading away P.K. Subban for nothing, uh, it's Dante Fabro. His performance, his confidence level, and the team's confidence in him allowed the Predators to make a decision like that so that they could bring in what they really needed, which was that scoring from Duchesne. Yeah, I agree with that. And then, um, I mean, Matias Eckel lays... uh doesn't have any hits. I didn't really think that um, Ekholm was that impactful last night, but considering the way that everybody else played, I really appreciate the way that Dante Fabro, Ryan Ellis, and Roman Yossi played. And I want to touch on the third line again, because out of all of the forwards, Callie Yonkroke had the least amount of time on the ice with 10 minutes and 40 seconds, a minute and two seconds on... um, on the penalty kill, he had one hit, and the rest were zeros. Kelly Arncroke was less than impactful last night, and he's playing on a line with a playmaker like Kyle Turris and a speedy guy like Rocco Grimaldi. Uh, I know that it, it's kind of far-fetched to ask what did you think of Kelly Arncroke last night, but um, what do you think that we should, as uh, as journalists, expect from Kelly Arncroke this year? I think that Callie Arncroke has everything to lose this season. You know, he, he's he been in the NHL for a couple of seasons now. Uh, the Predators showed over this offseason that they do not have a problem with with putting a guy with NHL experience on the waiver wire. I think that Callie Arncroke gets cut from this team before the halfway mark of the season in, in preference of someone who can actually bury a Kyle Turris pass. You know, if he's not going to be there, Yarncroke to bury those into the net, you got to do something about it. And I just don't think that Yarncroke has a spot on this team that he really fits into. Uh, and I think that with all the talent that they have in Milwaukee, the Predators are going to choose somebody besides him. I agree with that. And another, the only two players that did not record a shot on goal last night was Colton Sissons and Callie Yarncroke. And Colton Sissons uh, registers three hits, one block, and sees about 15 and a half minutes of ice time. Colton Sissons had a good game. I wouldn't say uh, his line mates are um, caliber to his offensive capabilities, but as we can see, Nick Benino is getting in on the action. Austin Watson, uh, from his butt, scores his first goal. Literally just gets a stick on it. He gets He gets the goal. What did you think of Austin Watson, who led the team with four hits last night? Austin Watson's doing exactly what the Predators hired him to do, which is to shut down as much as he can, and that's what that entire line is there for. Uh, I agree with you, Jack, that the, that Nick Benino wasn't producing offensively besides trying to, you know, butt the uh, puck in with his face, but everybody <laughs> on that line did okay. I, I don't think that it was a bad line. I think that 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 third line with with tourists and uh, lack of offensive production was was worse. Uh, but Austin Watson, you know, looking to make an impact this season. He missed a lot of last season, so coming out on this first night and scoring a goal huge for him. Colton Sissons, you're going to see him just always do stuff right. He's a solid player. Just signed his contract extension. 
uh, for another several years with the Predators. Uh, he'll, he'll break out. You'll see him scoring his goals. He's, I don't think he's going to be a 25 or 30 goal scorer, especially on that fourth line, but he's going to do what you ask him to do. Yeah, I agree. And I'm referencing a the George Matarangas article on Penalty Box Radio that you uh, just mentioned. The Benino Sissons Watson line uh, started in the offensive zone uh, 12.5% of the time. So it's not exactly fair for us to uh, give an accurate assessment on how Colton Sissons might play. But I feel like we know exactly what we're going to get with Nick Benino and Austin Watson. They're just big guys that are just meant to crash the net. Um, I think the best puck handling came from Mikael Glenlin last night. Mikael Glenlin was uh, undeniably the one of the best players on the ice on both teams, and I'm really glad he got rewarded. I'm glad that he's adjusting well. In terms of what we should expect from Mikael Glenlin, what do you think, John? What should we expect this year? I think you see him break the 20-goal Mark, uh, I think him getting that first goal on the first game of the season is huge. He really struggled with finding his place and his finding chemistry on the Predators team last season after being traded from Minnesota. Uh, and I got to admit, it was pretty satisfying to watch him get a goal against Minnesota being his former team. So I, I think that he's going to be huge this year. Like I said about Philip Forsberg, I think anybody that you put on a line with Matt Duchesne is going to do great. Uh, I I see him being a huge part of this team this year. I agree with that. And, okay, so let's play into a little bit of hypotheticals here. So let's say that Craig Smith had not started this year on the first line at wing. Let's say Kyle Turris would have started on the line. What do you think the production would have been like with Victor Arvidsson and Ryan Johansson last night had Turris been on that first line? I think it would have been better. I do think that that Laviolette was pretty set on playing Duchesne, uh, that Duchesne line, more than playing the Johansson line last night. Um, I, I think the tricky thing with Turris is that you then are putting Johansson, who's a playmaker, and Turris, who's a playmaker, on a line with just Arvinson to score goals. And, and not that that's a bad setup. Uh, but your only option most of the time ends up being Arvinson, and he's going to be aggressively chasing the puck any which way you cut it. So let's say that Arvinson gets the puck behind the net. He passes it up to Turris. What happens then? Does Kyle bury it, or does he pass it to Johansson, who then also doesn't shoot it? I I do think Smith is a better fit for that top line with Johansson and Arvinson, but it wouldn't hurt to try putting Turris on that line. They did it a lot during the, the preseason. It wasn't bad, but I do think that Smith is a better option there. Okay. And 11 players scored for the National Predators last night. It was a very balanced effort, and they will face Detroit this Saturday. John, if you had to make any bold predictions about this Saturday, what would you say that the National Predators are going to do against Detroit? That's tough. For some weird reason, the Predators cannot figure out the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, Last season, they had a couple of games where they really struggled against Detroit. I I do think that they pull it off. I think I'm going to make my score prediction here. I'm thinking it's going to be a 2-1 to victory. I think Forsberg gets a goal. Um, Anybody who follows me on Twitter knows that I like to make ridiculous predictions for games. I do think (laughs) Forsberg scores again. I think it's 2-1 to Nashville. 2-1? to Okay. And then before we have to go to break, Pecorine, 
once again standing on his head. I was a little bit upset with Pecorine's performance at the end of the second period upon looking at the goals that actually went in. I don't think that it was necessarily a reflection of either the defense or Pecorine's capability. Sometimes pucks just get behind you and there's nothing you can really do about it. But Pecorine stops 22, 21 shots at even strength on 22 attempts and one shot on two attempts on the power play, giving him a save percentage of 917. I think that that's a great start to the season. And with his contract expiring within the next couple of years, do you think that... UC Soros is going to start splitting 50-50, or are they going to go with the makeshift 60-40%, or are we just going to see the same uh, tandem last this year that we did last year? I think for the duration of, of Pecorine's career, you're going to see him be the predominant starter for the Predators. I think he's going to do maybe 60-40, probably something similar to what you saw this last season. I, I really don't think that you're ever going to see him become the backup to UC Saros unless his playing ability really decreases over the course of the season. Um, I think that the Predators are committed to Pecorine. With that being said, uh, I do not think that the Predators will re-sign Pecorine once his uh, two-year contract is up. I think that they're going to defer to UC Saros, and I would expect him to retire as a Predator. So I think that his playing career is going to be done. He's, I think, 37 years old, so that puts him at about 39, uh, 40. That's going to be tough for him. You're going to you're going to have to move on at some point, and I think that at the end of this contract period for Pecorine, he's done as a player. I, I'd have to agree with that. And one more thing before we go to break, Devin Dubnik stops. 20 shots on 24 attempts at even strength, and he stops all stick six shots on both power plays, giving him a save percentage of 871. Now, Devin Dubnik is a former Nashville Predator, so it was really nice to see uh, all the guys beat up on, um, let's see here, Ryan Hartman, Kevin Fiala, Ryan Suter, and Devin Dubnik. A great way to start the season and a great way for the Nashville Predators to begin their 2019-20 campaign. We're going to take about a 30-second break, and we will be back talking Milwaukee Admirals. This is 91.5 FM, your sound alternative. I'm Vivian. I come from China. I WGRE. Hi, I'm Hiroaki. I'm from Japan. WGRE. My name is Sarah Russell. I'm from the United States, and I listen to WGRE. Hey, I'm Sean King from South Korea. The world listened to WGRE, so why not you? Join us, stay tuned. WGRE, your sound alternative. And welcome back to Puck Talk. I'm your host, Spider Jack. With me today is the Milwaukee Admirals correspondent for Penalty Box Media, John Jensen. John, we talked to the Nashville Predators for 30 minutes, and now we're going to get into your territory with the Milwaukee Admirals. As you, many of you may not know, John Jensen is calling in from the great state of Wisconsin, and he will be answering any and all questions about the Milwaukee Admirals. Now, my first question, John, is Adam, help me out, Helowicka? Haluka. 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 So Adam Haluka scores 50 points in 65 games. He will not be rejoining the Milwaukee Admirals this season as he will be in the KHL. What should... Is this a big 
thing with how loaded the Milwaukee Admirals are. Is this really that bad on um, in terms of what the Admirals should expect this year? I think, Jack, on an average season, I would have been concerned by the loss of Adam Haluka from the team. But looking at what this roster looks like for this year, I don't think that the Milwaukee Admirals have anything to worry about. You know, yeah, he had uh, he had some nice games this last season. Uh, he contributed a lot. He he only had 19 points with the Admirals. He was picked up in the middle of the season. He had 31 with the Tucson Roadrunners um, before coming over to the Admirals. So he's obviously a big producer. But this Milwaukee Admirals team has. Anthony Richard, who's coming off of a career season, uh, he had, let's see, 24 goals, 47 points uh, in 73 games. Ellie Tolvanen was reassigned back to Milwaukee um, after the preseason with Nashville. He played 58 games with the Admirals last season and scored 15 goals, 35 total points, which is a respectable rookie season um, in the North American leagues. And, and then you have... Freddie Gaudreau, who spent a, a season and a half-ish in Nashville, who's made his return to Milwaukee. The Predators just could not figure out what to do with poor Freddie, and he's now back in the AHL. Um, he's always thrived there, though. He's thrived with Milwaukee. In the 17-18 season, he had 22 goals for 43 total points, and in 16-17, he played 66 games with the Admirals. Uh, and scored 25 goals and 48 total points. So you've got a stacked roster, and I didn't even mention Rem Pitlick has been reassigned to Milwaukee, so he's going to make his Admirals debut here on Sunday. Uh, you got Mika Salamaki. You've got Cole Schneider, who was great for the Admirals last season. Honestly, I don't think that losing Adam Haluka is going to mean very much to this team this season. Yeah, I, I'd have to uh, agree with that, considering all the names that you just ran through and messing up all of my questions, but I'll just keep going with it. Uh, where does Ellie Tolvanen, the, I guess, uh, I won't say Nashville's savior, but uh, he is he, he is a very covered and very anticipated prospect within the Nashville system. Where is Ellie Tolvanen going to fit in this lineup? Uh, you know, Ellie Tolvanen, is a good player and Nashville fans just need to be patient with him. He, I, I said this all through last season. He was not ready for, uh, for NHL minutes. And then I even said during the off season and during the preseason to expect to see Ellie Tolvin in, in Milwaukee for at least another half a season. And I still stand by that. He had a respectable rookie year, uh, but really I think where, where fans kind of fall off the mark when it comes to how a, a farm system works um, in major league sports is that the the not every player moves up the ranks the same way. So in hockey, you have your four lines, and I think that there's this conception that that players move up in a linear way so that they start on the fourth line they get fourth line minutes and then they move up to the third line and then they move to the second line it doesn't work that way you become a top six player or you become a bottom six player and those are the types of minutes that you typically play there's always exceptions to the rule but that's typically how it works and ellie tolvanen is a top six player but right now the top six in nashville have ryan johansson victor arvinson uh, Craig Smith, Philip Forsberg, Duchesne, and Glanland, and there's no room for Ellie Tolvanen. 
So you're not going to put him on the third or fourth line because that's not the type of player that he is. So the best thing for his development to be a better predator in the future is to play top six minutes in Milwaukee. So I think that you see a lot of Ellie Tolvanen on the first line for the Admirals this season. I think uh, for the half season that he'll be there, you're going to see him being a top scorer for this team, uh, just like you saw last season. But I think he really is going to step up compared to last season because that kid wants to be in Nashville, and he's going to do what he can to earn his place there. And just for reference, for all you viewers out there, the Milwaukee Admirals will take on the Iowa Wild on Sunday at 3 p.m. You can tune in on AHLTV.com. But... Uh, we're going to keep going forward. You mentioned Mika Salamaki and Frederick Goudreau. They spent some time up in Nashville last season. What impact do you think that Salamaki and Frederick Goudreau will have on this very young Admirals team? I think any time that you can add a player that has NHL experience to an AHL roster, all they're going to do is lift it up. So long as they have a positive attitude about being in the AHL again. So it could go... Either way, you could get a guy who is really burned by the fact that he was just demoted by his NHL team back to the minor leagues, or you can have a guy who's going to do what he has to do to get back to the NHL. Uh, I could definitely see Freddie Gaudreau being that guy who knows that he deserves a spot in the NHL. Might not be with the Predators, but I think that you're going to see him contributing to this team. Salamaki, I'm not entirely sure on. I do think he's going to contribute offensively, but I think that Salamaki's time with the Predators is probably over. I think you're going to see him on the third or fourth line for Milwaukee um, contributing, but not to the same extent that I would expect to see Goudreau at. I think Goudreau will end up on a first or second line. I guess it's the second line with Milwaukee. Um, But I also think, Jack, that Freddie Goudreau and Mika Salamaki could end up being trade fodder at some point for the Predators. I don't think that they have a spot for those two players in their system. Both of them have shown that they can't produce at the NHL level. And I would think that the Predators are going to try to use them to get what they need to complete this roster to make a cup run. That's an interesting point because you bring up that Salamaki might start on the second or third line, but probably in the bottom six for the AHL. Because like you said, it's not a linear system in the NHL from uh, calling people up. You don't go from the fourth line to the first line. That's just not how it works. And Salamaki, by heart, is a third and fourth line bruiser guy. But you have... Well, they have Lucas Craggs, Mika Salamaki, Anthony Richard, Cole Schneider, and Rem Pitlick all at left wing. So who's going to get the boot? Who's going to have to beat that healthy scratch? (laughs) That's tough to say at this point. Rem Pitlick is going to get minutes. Absolutely. Like there's, there's no question that he's going to get minutes. Um, I think, you know, you could see Salamaki end up getting the boot every now and then he might be a healthy scratch a lot of the times, which I think would be tough for him being someone who was used to getting, semi-regular NHL minutes. Um, So if I had to pick somebody who doesn't play, maybe Salamaki, but uh, I also think that you might have a a lower-level guy um, who's just starting out with the Admirals, and he'll share that bench spot with with Salamaki. So I could see him switching back and forth to a development thing versus a production thing with Salamaki. So I think it'll be a mixture. I don't think you're going to have one player who gets the boot. Okay, so 
Okay. Uh, and just to put this into respect for the people out there, Mika Salamaki scores seven points in 37 games last year with the Nashville Predators, and Frederick Goudreau scores four points in 55 games. So obviously, maybe the pressure of the NHL is upon them. Maybe they just were not meant to produce with the linemates they had, or maybe they just flat out cannot score in the NHL. But I remember seeing Mika Salamaki at a practice, and it's not that he doesn't have scoring capabilities. It's just he does not. He, he has no finish. Do you think that Salamaki will maybe find a scoring touch in Milwaukee, or do you think that what you see is what you're going to get? Again, I think it's a little bit of both. He did play a couple of games with the Admirals this last season uh, as he was coming off of the injured reserve. Uh, he played three games, scored one goal, and had one assist. So not a, not a bad showing in three games in the AHL. I do think that the skill disparity between the league's is noticeable when you go to an AHL game you'll notice the speed is different that guys who have NHL experience tend to overperform in the AHL even if they were not NHL material it, it's kind of a weird thing to watch happen so I, I think that he could still be contributing offensively but I think it goes back to what I was saying before of whether or not the Predators put a priority on developing Salamaki to be an NHL player again, or if their idea is to move on and, and feed the system. So you could see Lucas Craig end up being the guy that plays more minutes than Salamaki if the Predators have decided that his time with Nashville is done and he's kind of relegated to being an AHL-level player. Um, or you could see them give Salamaki more minutes. I, I think what you see is what you get with him. I do think he'll overperform in the AHL when he does play but the way that the Predators seem to be moving, in my opinion, is that Lucas Craig will get more time than Salamaki will. Interesting perspective there. So last season, for those of you who are not aware, P.K. Subban was traded to the New Jersey Devils for a couple draft picks, and Jared Tenorti and Steven Santini both Santini and Tenorti did not make the NHL roster. They will start their season in Milwaukee, and... In terms of how this defensive core will shape up, who do you think belongs in the top four defensive pairing for the Milwaukee Admirals? Yeah, so Jared Tenorti was the captain of the Milwaukee Admirals this last season. Uh, I see him and probably Frederick Allard being the top pairing. They're really, I'd say, the both both closest to being NHL ready and the most skilled defensive pairing that Milwaukee has. You also have a really skilled defenseman in Matt Donovan um, who has some NHL experience. He was a call-up last year during uh, any time that, well, during P.K. Subban injury uh, last season. Um, but Alexander Carrier is also a great option. So m- my choice for the top four, Jared Tenorti, uh, Alexander Carrier, Frederick Allard, and Steven Santini uh, being those top four. Matt Donovan then kind of gets uh, stuck with either Jeremy Davies or Arvin Atwal uh, in that bottom pairing for the Admirals. Interesting, interesting. And you mentioned Jeremy Davies. He performed very, very well in rookie camp, and he will most certainly make an impact this year for the Admirals. Do you think he starts in that top four again? Or uh, you might have already answered this because I'm trying to check NHL news, but uh, is Davies a top four defenseman in the AHL right now? No, I think that he's going to be in that bottom pairing for, for Milwaukee. I think that they've got more talent in, in their four other defensemen that, that'll take up that, those top two pairings. 
Okay, all right. And then some notable names that went on waivers right before the Admirals start their season were was the longtime goaltender Troy Grosnick and Anthony Richard. Anthony Richard played very, very well uh, in the couple of scrimmages that he played with the Nashville Predators. And also, Troy Grosnick is no name to ignore. He's been a v- very crucial part to the Milwaukee Admirals' success. So... What do you see in the gold ten the cold tender pairing with Troy Grosnick and Connor Ingram? Yeah, I, I think Troy Grosnick has been a solid goaltender for Milwaukee. He he had an all star season this last season, forty six starts, uh two point four one six goals against average. Uh and then you had him winning twenty four games, losing fourteen, which is a solid showing for an AHL goaltender. Um, last year he had Tom McCollum, who's more of a veteran player, uh, who played maybe 40% of the games last season. He was good too, not as good as Troy Grosnick. I still see Grosnick as being the, the main guy for the Milwaukee Admirals. He's a hometown boy he's from Brookfield, Wisconsin, which is right outside of Milwaukee. So he's, he's still going to be the guy. Um, Connor Ingram though does have AHL experience. He played with the Syracuse Crunch last season. I uh, was 14 and seven. Um, 2.26 goal against average, so a little better uh, than Grosnick, but a smaller sample size. So you're going to see that a lot of the time. So I, I see Grosnick as being the, the top guy for Milwaukee. And the reality is we, we go back to talking about what does the entire system look like. It's not just what's about what's better for the Milwaukee Admirals. It's about what's better for the entire Predators organization throughout. And the Predators are set at goaltender for another couple of years. Um, Pecorine, as long as he stays healthy, he's the guy there. Got Yusei Saros right underneath him who's going to be the guy once Pekka retires. And I don't think that uh, Grosnick is going to be the backup goaltender. I don't think that Nashville's too worried about that yet. I think that they're just focused on him being good for Milwaukee. Uh, and that's not a bad place to be in right now. They did draft a couple of goaltenders uh, this last season, so I would imagine you start seeing those guys come up through the system as Pecorino nears retirement. Well, it would be easy to get complacent with goaltending when you have uh, two phenomenal goaltenders in UC Saros and Pecorino. We have to take a quick 20-second break here. Uh, once again, you're listening to 91FM WGRE. Bored of just listening to WGRE? Well, you can see us now, too. We're on Instagram at WGRE Radio. Follow us for great action shots of sports, interviews, and just hanging out in the booth. We might even follow you back. WGRE, your sound and photo alternative. You know, it's really weird because I follow WGRE on both Instagram and Twitter, and I've yet to receive a follow back. (laughs) That's not a joke. Like, I've been here for about a month now. I know the person that runs the account. I've yet to get a follow back. (laughs) I have a show from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. It's not like I don't exist here. It's not like I just go to class and go back to my room. That's ridiculous. Playing that makes you feel better. I follow you. Thanks, John. Appreciate that. (laughs) Makes it, yeah, no, that, well, anyways. <laughs> Back to puck talk with uh, Spider Jack on the track. No axe today. He's somewhere in Pennsylvania right now. I hope he's doing well. He recently got engaged, so congratulations to my partner Axe, to his longtime girlfriend Vivian. Um, but anyways, back to hockey. The one burning question that I had for John, and he doesn't know that it's my burning question, oh was Daniel Carr. 
Daniel Carr was the AHL MVP last year. He was so good in the AHL. He's finally competing for a roster spot on an NHL team, and he gets scratched the first game of the of his NHL campaign. I don't know why. I don't know why uh, guys like Cali Yonkrok, who did nothing last night, is still in. But he didn't have a impressive... I won't say... He didn't have a standout preseason. So if push comes to shove, is Daniel Carr going to see time in Milwaukee? It's definitely possible. Uh, I'm thinking that the Predators would really like to avoid that scenario. And and here's why. If he gets reassigned to Milwaukee... He's going to be put on waivers, and I really think that most teams would want to get the AHL MVP from last season on on their roster. So I, I think that the Predators want to give him a shot. I think that they want him to work out, and I, you you brought up what, what my idea is. Put Callie Yarncrook on the bench and let let Dan Carr have his shot at uh, at pairing up with Kyle Turris. That, that's how I think this should should look. He is a talented player. Uh, there was one game he played uh, with the Chicago Wolves last season against the Admirals. He had four goals. He's a great player. He has a lot of offensive capability. Give him someone who can feed him the puck. And I think that you solve that problem just like that. If it doesn't work out, then yeah, I think that you see him get put on the waiver wire. I think another team picks him up before he gets reassigned to the Admirals. So I really don't think that we see him in an Admirals uniform at any point during this season. I think that the most likely scenario is that he takes up a roster spot with Nashville. And then the second most likely thing is that he gets picked up by a different team on waivers. Yeah. Uh, And just for the reference, Daniel Carr... In terms of his NHL experience, in 100 games played, he has 35 points, 15 goals, and 20 assists. So it's not that he cannot score in the NHL. He played the majority of his career with Montreal, uh, seeing various spots here and there, and then he goes to the Vegas Golden Knights farm system and, like you say, absolutely dominated. But, you know, that's just that's just how it goes sometimes. I mean, some players just, uh, just can't find that scoring touch in the NHL, but with Daniel Carr, I do believe that it is a little bit different. Now, John, we have very limited time, so I want to get your perspective on how this season for the Admirals is going to go, because in terms of what the team looked like last year, this is a very more, this is a very capable team. This is a very, um, very scoring-esque team now that they have added a lot of pieces, now that We've seen that Ellie Tolvanen is more mature. He's uh, skating a lot better. You have Rem Pitlick. You have a lot of guys who are chomping at the bit to get in the NHL, and they're going to do everything in their power to get there. So what are we going to expect from the Milwaukee Admirals this year? So I actually just finished writing my season preview for the Milwaukee Admirals, which will be available on PenaltyBoxRadio.com later on today, maybe tomorrow. Uh, but maybe next week, considering that, <laughs> maybe next exactly. week, considering the way that Justin puts out articles. <laughs> uh, but he, uh, yeah, he'll get to it when he gets to it, right? Uh, but I, I think that the Milwaukee Admirals are serious Cup contenders this year. The Calder Cup is the uh, championship trophy for the AHL. I think that they're contenders. The tricky thing, again, with minor league sports, is it's all going to depend on what the major league team does. So if the Nashville Predators have a rough season. They have some serious injuries like they had this last season. 
Uh, you're going to see some call-ups of some serious talent that definitely takes some stuff away from Milwaukee. So um, if you see Tolvanen or Rem Pitlick get picked up, that's that's a lot of offensive production right there getting taken away by Nashville, and that's just the nature of the beast. So what I said in my post, and that you can read later, but what I said was that if the Nashville Predators stay healthy and don't make too many roster tweaks, I think that the, the Milwaukee Admirals could make a good run for the Calder Cup getting further than the first round of the playoffs, which uh, I'm not sure that they've done for the better part of a decade now. Um, getting them past that first round, getting them to the finals, my guess is that they'll at the very least make it to the conference finals, if not to the Calder Cup. Not willing to say that they'll win the Calder Cup, but that's how far I think they'll go. Okay, all right. Uh, but, like you said, the injuries plagued Nashville's offense last year. They had a lot of guys coming up and down. Philip DiGiuseppe, um, Ellie Tolvanen saw some time. He eventually was called back down. But let's let's assume the worst here. Let's say Victor Arvidsson or Philip Forsberg or any of the top six go down. Who's that immediate call-up? I do. I think, once again, it'll depend on the role. So if it's a Victor Arvinson, I do think that either Anthony Richard or um, Ellie Tolvanen get the call. I think that the Predators would defer to Tolvanen because he's waiver-exempt for the most part because of how young he is. Uh, whereas Anthony Richard, you saw that with, uh, with getting reassigned back down to Milwaukee, he had to make it through the waiver wire. So it, with the contracts, it all depends on how long they actually stay in the NHL for. So you, you want to play your best-case scenario so that you're not losing top talent. So I think that if it's an Arvinson scoring player, you see Tolvanen get that call-up. If it's more of a playmaker um, like uh, Turris or uh, probably not Johansson, but we'll go with Turris as an example, I think that you would see Rem Pitlick be the choice over someone who's a scorer like like Ellie Tolvanen. So I think those are probably the top two as far as call-ups for defense. Uh, Frederick Allard is a great option. He's kind of been the top defensive prospect for the Predators for a while besides Dante Fabro. Um, Tenorti had a great offseason, so it would really depend on on how long they would expect him to be in the NHL for as he's not waivers exempt. He doesn't have to go through that process. Uh, but you've got a couple of good choices. Matt Donovan spent some time in Nashville last season. So did Colin Blackwell. We haven't brought up Colin Blackwell yet, but he's very talented too. He has some NHL experience. You could see him be the guy that gets called up if needed. Yeah, without a doubt. And there is one guy that I was especially excited for this year, and that was Lucas Craggs. Lucas Craggs was recently at Bowling Green State University. He had 54 points in uh, total total in his career at Bowling Green State had 54 points in 116 games. He is a left winger, much like everybody else on the Milwaukee Admirals <laughs> a roster. I really like the way that Lucas Craggs plays. Is there something that we should look for in Lucas Craggs? I think looking at it as a young guy who's ready to develop and grow in the system, I think this season you'll see him contribute. I wouldn't say that you're going to see him be a top six forward. The other thing about the AHL and the other developmental leagues is that this is an opportunity for guys to maybe branch out a little bit. So, yeah, he's a left winger. That's what he's used to. And like you've brought up, the Admirals have a bit of a left-winger problem right now. So I'm not saying that it's going to be Craig, 
but you might see a guy get moved over to the right wing. They right now just have uh, two guys that are designated as right wingers. Ellie Tolvin and normally end up playing on the right wing, but you could see some guys try some different positions out and see see how that works. Um, maybe not Lucas Craig's, but maybe a more seasoned player um, like Richard, or, but probably more likely like Cole Schneider um, taking on that role. But I, I think you see him in bottom six minutes. You'll see him grow. He'll contribute even more if those call-ups that we were just talking about happen. Yeah, without a doubt. And Rem Pitlick is another guy that I'm really excited about. He's a left-handed shot. He spent some time at the University of Minnesota, did some very good things there. But Rem Pitlick is more of a playmaker and not so much a shooter. But I felt like with the way that the roster was set, that Rem Petlick or Ellie Tolvanen should have been that 23rd guy on the NHL roster. What, do you, what are your thoughts on Rem Petlick eventually making this uh, National Predators team? I think that he's got the second best chance of making the team behind Ellie Tolvanen. Uh, and purely, that's just based on hype. I think that the Predators are trying to get Ellie Tolvanen to Nashville uh, within a reasonable amount of time. But Rem Pitlick is a great prospect. He's going to be a central part of that Nashville team at some point in the future. I'm not sure that it is this season um, since he this is going to be his, his rookie season uh, in the professional league. So I think that you see him make that jump next season. But like I said earlier, if you lose a Kyle Turris or another playmaker on the Predators to injury, he's the guy that gets called up. So I think that's his role in the system. Um, I do think that he's the first one as far as playmakers go to get called up. I think Tolman is the first one in terms of scorers to get called up. Okay. And then, well, thank you for that. I have a couple more questions for you, uh, assuming we I don't run out of time here. But Ellie Tolvanen should start and finish his year in Milwaukee. I Personally, unless something very drastic happens, I do not see a call-up in the near future. I think that... Um, David Poyle and Laviolette have uh, head coach Peter Laviolette have pretty much solidified the national roster for now. But in terms of what Ellie Tolvanen will do in Milwaukee this year, how do you think he will fare on the AHL ice considering this is his second year? Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. I think he's going to have way more than just 15 goals. Uh, <laughs> at the beginning of the season, um, I, I would joke around with my fiance a lot that uh, his shot came from the exact same spot on the ice every single time it was like clockwork he'd get it to the top of the circle fire a slap shot towards the goal would go in with uh varying degrees of success but he got more comfortable trying it from different places he got closer to the net uh, i do think that you're going to see him get closer to richard's 24 ish goals so 25 26 goals this season for tolvanen um i don't see him breaking the 30 goal mark this season but I think you're going to see him in that mix of, of 25-ish goals. And when Tolvanen is NHL ready, um, there will be there will have to be a discussion about who leaves here. Now, David Poyle has been very smart about how they've locked up contracts for their star players. Uh, Ryan Johansson, Philip Forsberg... Victor Arvidsson, Matt Duchesne, those are all guys that are going to be in Nashville for a very long time if all things go according to plan. Do you think that Tolvanen, uh, should the Predators not make a run for the Cup this year, be a crucial part to the Predators eventually making a Cup run in the near future? 
I think so. If if Tolvanen has a strong season in Milwaukee, there's no reason that they don't find a spot for him this upcoming season. Um, just kind of looking at at players whose contracts are up at the end of this season. You got got Rocco Grimaldi. I said earlier that I don't think that Tolvanen is a bottom six guy, which is what Rocco has been. But you have him, his contract's going to be up. You've got Mikhail uh, Glanlin, got to make sure I say it right, uh, <laughs> ending his, his run here uh, with the Predators. Not sure that the Preds are going to be willing to cough up the money to keep him at the end of the season. And he is a similar uh, similar player to Tolvanen. So I think if, if I were a betting man, that the place that Ellie Tolvanen falls on the National Predators is is Glenlin's spot at the end of this season going into next season. And then one more hypothetical question, and then my time will be up here. But the NHL allows people, the NHL allows teams to call up players at the end of the year with no really restrictions. And I think that if Nashville is going to make a deep playoff run, the Two guys that the two forwards they'll pick up is Ellie Tolvanen and Rem Pitlick, as we've talked about, and then the defenseman. Who's that one defenseman from the Milwaukee Admirals team that the Nashville Predators need in order to make a very deep playoff run? I think if they had to choose one for a playoff run, it would be Jared Tenorti. I think what they'd be looking for is a defenseman who's solid makes few mistakes, and can contribute offensively when needed. Um, not someone whose primary goal is to score, but contribute as needed. And I think that Tenorti is the best equipped to do that right now. Uh, over the course of the season, that might change to being Frederick Allard. But for right now, I would say that your defensive, your defensive guy come playoff time is Jared Tenorti. Well, that is about it for me. That is about it for uh, Puck Talk this week. Thank you to John Jensen, the Milwaukee Admirals correspondent for Penalty Box Media, for joining me today, John. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jack. And next week, we will be talking more NHL news. Hopefully, my partner, Axe, will be back in the studio. But from all of us here at DePaul University, this is uh, 91.5 WGRE, your sound alternative.